Welcome to High Point Church this morning. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor. It's a great to be uh, with you here this morning online. Uh, I'm thrilled to be able to connect with you. Thankful for the gift of technology uh, right now. We are living in unprecedented times. This is a, a unique moment, uh, a hard moment in the life of our country and in many ways the entire planet. And I thank you that you are here, that you're joining us online this morning. Before we go any further, I want to make one thing clear, uh, knowing that I may have you for just a few minutes or even just a few seconds. And that is this, that, that regardless of the circumstances around you and the world right now, it's important to hold on to this truth, that hope is alive. That hope has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack here in just a moment how that hope is, in fact, alive in our lives. Uh, as you can see, uh, as I mentioned before, this is an unusual moment for us. I'm preaching literally from my living room. I'm preaching from my kitchen. Uh, our public gatherings and the, the moments where we are together uh, have been greatly impacted by COVID-19. But even in the midst of, of this unusual time, uh, I want you to hold to this truth that Jesus Christ is alive and that Jesus Christ is our great hope today. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into the Word together. Father, I thank you uh, right now for this time together, this time together online. Uh, I thank you for those who are watching from other countries I thank you for those watching from other cities and other parts of the United States. I thank you this morning that your spirit is at work in our lives. I pray now that your word would minister to our hearts and that it would help us in our time of need. It's in the great name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And if you are watching online, everybody say amen. <laughs> Come on, we, we got to have a little church up in here. All right, Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Ezekiel's in the Old Testament. If you're new, uh, if you're watching right now and you're new to faith or you're, you're asking some questions right now, this is a great opportunity for you. I'm thrilled that you're here. We're going to press into what the Bible has to say about some things this morning. And here we are in Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kabar River in the land of the Babylonians. There, the hand of the Lord was on him. Now, this is an unusual passage right now because there, there's nothing inherently about this that's inspiring. There's nothing hope-filled. It's, it's just more or less the beginning of the book of Ezekiel. But there are some things that are happening in this story of this great prophet and great preacher that you may not be aware of. Ezekiel is writing uh, the, the first portion of Ezekiel here, and he's 30 years old. He's 30 years old and he's been made in exile. He was born in Judah. He's a Jew. And yet the Babylonian empire came and crushed his people, crushed his nation. 
And he was taken along with 10,000, at least 10,000 other people and made captive and transplanted in another city, transplanted in another country, taken to a place where they have no jobs, where they have uh, no typical living situations, no situations where they know how to plant or farm or, or all the things that you would typically associate with your life. They're gone. They're stripped. This is what's happened in Ezekiel's life. He's 30 years old. This is, this is the age at which Ezekiel would be entering the priesthood because Ezekiel has been working to become a priest. But that hasn't actually happened. In fact, this whole captivity and this whole exile moment took place five years prior when Ezekiel was 25. And here he is now five years later writing about some of these events. So catch with, just, just walk with me here for just a moment. Ezekiel is 25 when, when the Babylonian Empire crushes Judah and takes him captive. And for the next five years, he is trying to figure out up from down, left from right, and nothing that he is familiar with is familiar anymore. Some of you might have been in some situations like this before in your own life where, where the magnitude of the pain that you've experienced is so great and it's so disorienting that you don't feel like you can make sense of anything anymore. Some of you watching right now have been so impacted by COVID-19 that, that up doesn't seem like down and left doesn't seem like right and you're trying to figure out what makes sense. It's an interesting time for you to be in. And in many ways, you have much to relate to this great man, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, for us, you know, we don't live like this necessarily as Westerners. But for Ezekiel, he would have been planning his entire life to become a priest. His entire life, up to 25 years of age, would have been towards this moment. He would have been pumped. He would have been excited. In just a little while, he's going to be a priest. And those dreams in the snap of a finger are gone. Priests worked at the temple. Well, they're in a new land. They don't have a temple. There's no temple. There's no temple worship. There's no temple sacrifice. There's no temple offering. There's no temple anything. And so not only is Ezekiel's vocation gone, his dreams are gone. Imagine, imagine being Ezekiel. When we read the Bible, sometimes, you know, we have a hard time putting ourselves in the situation. Uh, we read it as a story, but put yourself in it for a moment. This is all that you've worked your whole life towards this moment. And now it's gone. The ma imagine the despair. Imagine the heartache, how heartbroken you'd be. And the reality is some of you have experienced pains like that. Well, I imagine none of you have been made captive in a foreign land. You've been in situations where the heartache and the pain is really great. And the dreams that you had in your heart are dashed. And the interesting thing about dreams is there is, there is a grieving that happens over the loss of a particular thing in a particular moment. But there's also a grieving that takes place over the imagination of what you had dreamed it was going to be like. The what ifs. The could haves. And this is a moment where Ezekiel is having to wrestle with plans that he had laid out for sure in his own life, and yet they are not coming to pass as he had imagined. 
When plans change in our life, especially in ways that we really didn't expect, it's easy to become afraid. It's easy to become angry. It's easy to have a whole myriad of emotions that you're feeling. And you watching right now are probably in a place like that. Maybe right now you haven't even been affected by COVID-19. Awesome. I hope that that continues. Many people are losing jobs. Many people are losing retirement accounts. Many people are wondering how they're going to make sense of the world when things settle back down. Furthermore, even if, even if COVID-19 isn't the thing that's brought pain in your life, I promise you that someone here that's watching, you've had a marriage that didn't survive. No one stands at the altar and plans for this marriage that they're embarking on to dissolve and deteriorate seven years later. No one plans for that. No one plans for a child to not make it. No one, no one, no one plans for tragic events. And when we experience them, they're incredibly hard and they're difficult and we don't oftentimes know what to make of them. Well, I want to remind you what the Bible says about Ezekiel. Even in the midst of him hanging out with the exiles, his fellow countrymen down by the river, the scriptures say that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel and that his hand was upon him. What you need to know and remember and take to the bank today is that God is with you. Regardless of how painful your situation is, regardless of how dark it is, regardless of how impossible the circumstances feel, you have a God who loves you, who cares for you, who has not abandoned you, and that he is with you. God's hand is upon you, even when you don't feel like it. Psalms 77, 19 says this, that your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. See, God is moving in your life many times in ways that you don't even see, ways that you don't even know God is with you. God is working on your behalf. Psalm 23, 4, David writes the most famous psalm, maybe arguably the most famous passage in all of the Bible. Psalm 23, a portion of it in verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your translation might say, if you grew up going to church, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God is with you. God is with you. Matthew 28, Jesus, after he's died on the cross for the sins of the world, and he's literally giving the mission of the church to the disciples, and he's leaving to come back one day, but in this moment, he's, he's leaving. You can imagine the disciples being filled with, they're filled with despair and fear wondering, God, what are we supposed to do in this moment? And his final words to his disciples are, surely I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. God is with you. Don't forget it. That fills me with hope. That reminds me that there is, that there, the hope is alive because I serve a God who is bigger than me, who is stronger than me, and that is working on my behalf even when I don't see it. He's with me. 
Ezekiel 3, verse 10 through 11, moving on a little bit, uh, this is what God says to Ezekiel. He says, Son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I speak to you. Go now to your people in exile and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. Why can hope be alive in your heart? Number one, because God is with you. But number two, the reason that we can have hope is because you and I are not in charge of the outcome. God is. God is in charge of the outcome. He looks at Ezekiel and he speaks to him. He says, son of man, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to speak to your countrymen. I want you to speak to those that are in the same situations that you're in. Ezekiel, by the way, didn't want to do this. Ezekiel was looking forward to being 30 years old and living the priest's life and and having a normal priesthood and a normal priest temple and a normal temple offering and a normal temple sacrifice with normal people leading normal worship. And none of that exists anymore. Instead, God says, I want you to go and you're going to be my prophet. You're going to be my preacher. And I want you to go speak. But your job isn't to worry about whether people respond. That's on me. You're not in charge of the outcome. Not just in ministry if you're watching and somehow you're a pastor or leader in a church. You're not in charge of the outcome either. But ultimately, any aspect of your life, you need to understand that God is in control. And he is the one who is in charge. Ezekiel 3.14, the Spirit then lifted Ezekiel up. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in the anger of my spirit with the strong hand of the Lord on me. That's interesting. God has given Ezekiel an assignment, and Ezekiel's disposition is that of anger and bitterness. He doesn't want to do what he's being asked to do. He doesn't, he, he's upset over the condition of his people. He's upset over the condition of his calling. He's upset over everything. Have you ever been in that position before where you're just upset about everything in your life? I have. I've been there. And what's interesting is that when you try to carry the weight of the outcome in your life, when you try to carry it, a burden that you're not designed to carry. You know what you end up becoming? You end up becoming angry. And anger has a way of simmering in your soul and turning into bitterness. Now, you know, the the past day or two, we haven't been able to get chicken anywhere at any store. If you're like me, you've been running low on meat, possibly toilet paper, right? Diapers, formula, all the necessities, right? We can't find anything right now. And I'm able to make a joke about it in all seriousness. I know some of you have been in, in, in dire situations with it. Well, we were making vegetable soup and my wife had that soup on a big pot on the stove and it literally just simmered for hours. And by the end of the day, it had cooked and it was ready to eat. And this is what anger does right? Uh, the, the enemy would come and he would love for anger to do more than just be a drive-by in your life. He wants you to set up shop 
He wants you to take out a mortgage payment and build a home on the foundation of injustice that you have received in your life. This is wrong and this is an injustice and I'm angry about it. And that anger, if you're not careful, begins to simmer like a big pot of soup. Or another way to think about it, one of my favorite cartoons is the original Aladdin, not the new Aladdin, although props to the new Aladdin, right? I like the original, right? And if you recall, the, the genie, the, the, the lamp gets rubbed and the genie comes out and the genie has been stuck, right? The, the genie has been in a situation that he actually hasn't really liked and Aladdin's trying to get out of the cave and, and he kind of passively insults the genie to try to get him to move and provoke him to action. And the genie looks at him and he says, excuse me? Did you rub my lamp? Did you, did you wake me up? And now you're walking out on me? I don't think so. Sit down. And he says, you're getting your wishes. But here's what bitterness does. This is what anger does when you feel like you've experienced a world and a life that isn't fair. Is that you can't let anything go. Everything provokes you to combat. There's no easier way to see this than social media. God bless social media in times like this, but we've also seen it where, where you just, there's bitterness leaking out of your situation in your heart. And it's hurting you. It's hurting your relationships. And in the same way, somebody will leave a comment or a post and rather than just letting it go, it's, it's the genie coming out of the lamp. Excuse me? Did you wake me up? Did you leave a post on my wall? Did you comment here? I don't think so. I'm putting on my boxing gloves and we're gonna fight right now, right? This is what we do. And it's an overflow of, of anger and bitterness at times over the position and condition of our life. You've got to hear me with this. There's hope for you this morning. God is in control and you are not in charge of the outcome. Let me say that one more time. God is in control and you thankfully are not in your own strength responsible for the outcome. Your job is to simply be faithful. Your job is simply to love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul, mind and strength. Give your life to him and to follow him that's your responsibility. Why are you able to have hope when so many things are swirling out of control in your life? Because ultimately you aren't responsible for the outcome. You can take that load off your shoulders and you can give it right to the Lord. He's strong. In fact, what's amazing about Ezekiel's name is that Ezekiel's name means God's strength. In many ways, Ezekiel is the prophet and preacher that God has called to action, but he's also symbolic in the way that God moves in the lives of his people. It's God's strength that we need. It's God's strength that moves mountains. What does the Bible say? That when we are weak, God is strong. 
We need that Ezekiel spirit, the the strength of God at work in our lives right now to restore us, to give us hope. And thankfully he does. And we don't have to carry the weight of all the different outcomes. God's in charge. He's in control. And he's a good God who loves you, who cares for you, and who sent his son Jesus for you. So what does Ezekiel do? Chapter 3, verse 15. I came to the exiles who lived at Tel Aviv near the Kabar River. And there where they were living, I sat among them for seven days, deeply distressed. Ezekiel is sitting with his people for for seven days. Uh, He's practicing the customary tradition of grieving that you would do if someone had died. A lot of times when we read this, we, we miss the, the full context of what's happening. Ezekiel is grieving a death, but he's not grieving a physical death. He's grieving the spiritual death of his people. And this is what happens when you carry a weight that isn't yours to carry. Not only does bitterness creep in and, and begin to take over, but you begin to die spiritually. It's like a slow working poison in your heart. And Ezekiel is grieving over the spiritual death and the spiritual condition of his people, all the captives that are sitting with him at the Kabar River. I know all too well what it's like to to deal with plans that have abruptly changed in your life or to wrestle with anger and bitterness over over, over literally your your life changing right before your eyes. Uh, my, My dad passed away when I was about 25 years old. And if you're, if you're watching online and you go to High Point Church, you've certainly heard some of this story before. It's a very formative moment in my life. But if you're watching online and you're not familiar with this story, let me just share a little bit about it. My dad and I, were, we were very close. Very, very, he was the patriarch of our family. And uh, he died of a massive heart attack over the winter uh, when I was 25. And he died of, he died of a heart attack. And in, in a moment, he was gone. And I was picking up my girlfriend at the time, who has later became my wife. And I remember getting the call that he was in the hospital and that I needed to come home. And before I got in the car, I, I, I just started walking around the neighborhood where I was. And I just asked God, I said, God, please, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this. Don't do this. Please. And I don't know all of the, the perfect theological you know, arguments on what is the brokenness of the, the world at work in our lives? What is sin at work in our lives? What is God's sovereignty? All I know is that the life that I had imagined for myself and the life that I had planned was immediately changed. And for many of us, uh, we've had moments very similar. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's the loss of a career, the loss of a dream, a difficult situation that just feels impossible. It's easy to find yourself becoming dead on the inside, spiritually dead, a barren wasteland. These exiles and the countrymen, they're just literally sitting by the river, stunned in a stupor, wondering what they're supposed to do with their life, wondering where God is. Ezekiel 37, the text reads like this. The hand of the Lord was on me 
And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And what you should catch at the very beginning of this verse is the recurring theme that God is with Ezekiel. Even though things are dry, even though Ezekiel is angry, even though Ezekiel is bitter and he's hurt and he's broken, God hasn't abandoned him. This God is the God who gives strength. And Ezekiel's name is literally designed to remind it not only to Ezekiel, but to all of God's people. And now in 2020, to us as well. He set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? In other words, in these areas that are dry and barren, can my spirit come and work and be alive again? Is that possible? Can I do that? Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God promises to Ezekiel that he is going to take these dry places and these dry bones and he's going to breathe life into them again. A literal physical renewal of dry bones and physical flesh. I can't imagine what that even looked like. It's like a mix between you know, something that would have been amazing and probably something that was also terrifying to witness, right? But he, he puts bodies back together in this valley, the valley of dry bones, but it's symbolic. Does it literally happen? Yes, but it is, it, is it also symbolic of what God can do for the nation of Israel, but not just the nation of Israel, our very nation in 2020? There is a dryness that exists in the heart of many in the United States right now. There is a dryness of heart in terms of a, of a disenfranchisement, so to speak, with church and Christianity. In many ways, there's a people that are sitting in exile down by the river wondering where God is and when is God going to show up. And the word for us this morning is that we serve a God who gives life, a God that breathes life and restores life. Ezekiel is a story in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament points us to the New Testament. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And Ezekiel points us to the greatest preacher and the greatest prophet and ultimately our great Savior, Jesus. And Jesus came to give you and I life and life more abundantly. The area of your heart that's broken, the dryness that exists. God, can you honestly do this? Can you resurrect this? Can you bring life here? Well, Jesus proves that he can bring life uh, not only to your heart, but to your situation. When he went to the cross and died for your sins 
and he died for my sins and rose again on the third day victorious over sin and death. And when he stepped out of the grave, he proved to the world that there is nothing that he can't do and that death has no hold on him. And ultimately, by faith in Jesus, death has no hold on you either. You don't have to live broken. You don't have to live in despair. You don't have to live hopeless because you serve a great king who is working on your behalf, who loves you with an everlasting love, who's taken the weight of the outcome off of your shoulders, who hasn't left you, who hasn't abandoned you and hasn't forsaken you, but instead has given you his spirit the power of the Holy Spirit to those who put their faith in Jesus. What does this mean for us culturally? I believe it's a, it's a, it's a significant word for us, especially in the U.S. right now, as, as, as many are grappling with the realities of what life looks like and what life is going to look like. In many ways, I believe there is a prophetic moment in our culture and in our church where God is, is answering the question of, of, of can, I, can I experience life here? The answer is yes. By the power of the Spirit, God is at work. And I believe He's at work right now in the midst of this difficulty in our country. I believe God is at work in those who are sitting in despair and those who are sitting in exile, so to speak, those who've wandered from the Lord, those who, who have never had a relationship with God and are asking questions, or the church itself that maybe has had its priorities wrong and they've put faith in the plan and they've put faith in the temple more than they put faith in the very presence of God. God is bringing his church together for a, a singular moment right now globally and reminding us that it is about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for the sins of the world yours and mine and rose again on the third day giving life and eternal life to all who would believe that is hope and that is hope alive you can have hope today you can face anything today let your foundation be in Jesus Christ and him alone and you can face anything. You can face anything. God is with you. He's for you. He's taken the outcomes off of your shoulders. He's giving life today. Would you pray with me right now? Father, I thank you that you are a God who gives life and life more abundantly. You give life to those who believe and who would put their faith in you and choose to follow and trust you. Lord, we acknowledge that you are the one true king. And right now we put our faith in you today. If you're watching right now and you want to put your faith in Jesus, maybe, maybe Christianity, maybe this, the God of the Bible is foreign to you. But you're, you, there, there's something that's happening in your heart. It's like a light bulb is going off. And if you want to put your faith in Jesus, today is your moment. Right where you're sitting, right where you're at, just literally say to yourself, uh, say to God, say, God, today I believe and I put my faith in your son Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Rule in my life. 
bring the dry areas of my life to an end and replace it with your love, your kindness, and your abundant life. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, if if you were sitting and watching this today and you're one of the people who put your faith in Jesus, number one, congratulations. What an incredible moment. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to invite you to stick around in the comments and post, maybe direct message, get, get some conversation going. I realize that's a step of faith, but it's a step of faith I'm asking you to take. There are ways for you to subscribe, ways for you to get, ways for you to get connected uh, online. Take that step today and let's help each other walk this walk of faith out together. It's great to be here with you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you right here next week. Love you.